Hi there. Welcome to Anchors for Life. We're glad that you've joined us as we continue our series on knowing the God that knows you. And uh, as we considered this, the last time we were looking at the different attributes of God and, and, and the importance of knowing knowing God. And, and in fact, we quoted A.W. Tozer who said that the most important thing about you is what you think of God. And, uh, and as we think of that, then we come to uh, today, we want to look at one particular passage of Scripture that uh, emphasizes the importance of these attributes of God. And in fact, we know this Scripture. We often quote it. We uh, probably have all heard, it, heard this Scripture read. And, uh, and it's in Isaiah chapter uh, 40, and we, we often read verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall uh, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And uh, as we think about this, these, these verses, what's important uh, is all the verses that come before of this verse, they that wait upon the Lord. Well, what is this Lord like that we wait upon? The word Lord there is Jehovah. So this God of relationship, this self-existing uh, God of relationship, this covenant-keeping God, which are three definitions of what the name uh, Jehovah, Lord, means. So what is this God like that we wait upon? From verse 12 onward, we see something very important in the book of Isaiah. We see <clears throat> from Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 40, verse 1, we see God's tender heart, his tender uh, attitude toward, toward those that Isaiah is writing even though their heart might not be what it ought to be, God's tenderness toward them and wooing them back to himself. But here, from verse 12 onward, we really see uh, God's transcendent uh, attributes, his attributes that are above all other uh, individuals' attributes. Uh, God is above, he stands apart, and he stands alone. In his attributes and this is something that I think is extremely important for us to really understand and uh, when we look at these verses this is what we see remember years ago when I first studied this passage uh, I think I found uh, um, maybe five three or four five different attributes of God and and I thought that was great and the next time I read through it I found seven and and, uh, and the last time I've studied this passage, I found 15. And, uh, and maybe you'll find more. But I want to just quickly give you the 15 that I have found and let you uh, dive back into it uh, so that you can spend some time digging out these things for yourself and see. And the first thing is in, tw in uh, Isaiah 40, verses 12 to 14. Listen to these words. He says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured the heaven with the span, and calculated the dust of the earth 
in a measure. Weighed out the mountains in the scale and the hills in the balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has, who as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? In these verses, we learn something. The Lord didn't need anyone else. He didn't need a counselor. He didn't need, um, the, these are rhetorical questions. The answer is no one. No one has taught him. No one has directed him. No one has been his counselor. No one has instructed him. Uh, he didn't need anyone else. And so what we find in these verses is, number one, is that our God is a self-sufficient God. And in this, this, uh, in this aspect, his name Jehovah is used. Uh, who has directed the spirit of Jehovah, uh, the self-existing, self-sufficient God, we might add. And, and the answer is no one, no one has directed him. No one has. He's self-sufficient, meaning that he stands alone. He doesn't need anyone to help him, to direct him, to counsel him, or to instruct him. Then, Secondly, we find also in verse 12, and another attribute of God, meaning that, uh, which is that he is omnipotent. And the omnipotence of God underlines the fact that he is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. In his ability, he can do anything, and he is able uh, to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, Scripture says. But when we look at these uh, scriptures, we see God's um, unchanging power, His that he, the fact that he is omnipotent. And the next thing that we see also in verses 13 to uh, 14 is that he is all-knowing. Uh, he is omniscient, meaning that he's all-knowing. Uh, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows every detail. He knows every hair that's upon our head, Scripture says. He knows when a sparrow falls uh, in, from the ground, from its nest. He knows every detail of all that is going on everywhere. This is the omniscience of our God. Look at verse 28. Also, it just underlines it again. It says in verse 28, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor grows weary. His understanding is unsearchable or un, unsearchable. And so when we think of this, our God is an all-knowing God. Let me give you some reference points uh, to jot down. Uh, Romans 4, 17. Romans eleven thirty three to 36. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 9. Isaiah 46, verse 10. And then lastly, Acts 15, verse 18. In these verses, we see God is an all-knowing God. The next attribute that comes out here in verse 14 is that he is righteous and just. Look at verse 14 again. It says, And 
who taught him the path of justice, meaning who taught him to be righteous, who taught him to be just. No one is the rhetorical answer, uh, meaning that, that this, this, this idea of God being righteous and just, it, it means that uh, he, is, he always does that which is right and that which is just. There's nothing uh, that he will do that is not right or not just. And uh, this comes out in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. Shall the righteous judge of all the earth do right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7 and 8. Psalm 119, verses 137 to 138. And Psalm 145, verse 17. Are all verses that speak of the righteousness or or the fact that our God is a just God. Another verse in verse 14, another attribute that comes out, is that he is uh, wisdom itself. He is wisdom, uh, we might say, in, in Proverbs chapter 8, it speaks of Christ being the wisdom personified. He was wisdom. But here in our verse, he says, Who taught him knowledge? Or showed him the way of understanding. No, our God didn't need anyone to show him the way of understanding. He is wisdom itself. And this comes out in scriptures, uh, both Old Testament and New Testament. But Romans chapter 11, verse 33. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. Psalm 104, verse 24. And Psalm Proverbs, uh, or sorry, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19. All speak of the fact that our God is an all-wise God. His wisdom, true wisdom, comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This is where wisdom comes from. And God's wisdom is above all other man's wisdom. Another, uh, as we move on then in, in this section in Isaiah chapter 40, we see verse 15. Behold, the nations are a drop in the bucket and are counted as small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beast sufficient for burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. Here, this next, uh, this next attribute of God that we see in verses 15 to 17 is the fact that our God is a sovereign God, meaning that everything is under his control. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. And this comes out again in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, in Hannah's song. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. All underline the fact that our God is a sovereign God. That he has everything under his control. The book of Esther would remind us of this very thing. That everything is in the hand of the Lord. That nothing takes him by surprise. In verse 18, we find something else in our chapter Verse 18, to whom then would you liken me? To, to whom then would you liken God? 
or what likeness will you compare him to? Here we find the attribute that he is incomparable. Uh, he meaning that nothing and no one can compare to him. We find this in Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, he is uh, Ephesians chapter 1 as well. In these portions, we find that God is the, incomparable, that no one else can compare to him. And if you want to know what he is like, you look at his son. Uh, his son is the exact representation of who God is. And he is incomparable to anyone else. In verses 22 to 24, we see that God is transcendent, meaning that he is above uh, everyone else, that he is far above uh, everything and everyone else. Uh, he exceeds all limits. And uh, we find this in these next few verses. It says that he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who searches out the heavens like, the, like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. And in these verses, it goes on to say, he brings the princes to nothing and he makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall they shall their stock take root in the earth. When he also plow uh, will blow, also blow on them, and they will wither, and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. So in these verses, we find that our God is above all others. He sits apart from all others. In verses 26 to 28, we find that, that our God is eternal, meaning that he, he always was, he always is, and he always will be. He never had a beginning, he never had an end. And he's everything in between. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And he's everything in between. And when we consider this, our God is eternal. Uh, let me give you a couple of verses. Isaiah 57, verse 15. Uh, Psalm uh, 147, verses 34, uh, verses 3 and 4. Psalm 147, verses 3 and 4. Now, he is holy. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25, he is holy, meaning that he is pure. Uh, Moses had to learn this. In Exodus chapter 3. Isaiah had to learn this in Isaiah chapter 6. We read of this in Psalm 30 verse 4. Psalm 47 verse 8. Psalm 111 verse 9. That our God is a holy God. That meaning that his holiness means that he stands again above all others and apart in his holiness. Apart, And this is why the Bible says that his eyes are so pure, so holy, that he cannot look upon sin. This is why as a holy and a righteous God, our God could not look upon all the sin that was poured upon the Lord Jesus when Scripture was saying, He who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. When in those three hours of darkness, when the, all the wrath of God, a sin-hating God, was poured upon 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And God darkened the earth. God shut man out. And God, the Lord Jesus would cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was because of the holiness and righteousness of God. And so when we consider this, our God is a holy God. As Isaiah 40, verse 25. Isaiah 40, verse 26 would remind us that he is an infinite God. Lift up your eyes, O on high, and see who has created these things, who bring the, their host by number and calls them by name, by the greatness of his might and strength of his power. Not one is missing. Our God is infinite, meaning that he has no limits. He has no limits. How wonderful to see that there is nothing too hard for our God because he is a God who has no limits. Another couple of reference verses for this would be Psalm 47, verse 5. Job chapter 5, verse 9. Job chapter 9, verse 10. All speaking of the infinite God. Now there's another attribute in verse 27 that's mentioned. When we look at this, it says in verse 27, Oh, uh, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His, unsearch his understanding is unsearchable. And in those uh, verses there, we find the long-suffering of God. The long-suffering of our God. And the, the fact that God is immutable, meaning that God is unchanging. Two more attributes of God in verse 28. That God does not change. Malachi 3, 6. I am God, I changeth not. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, the Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As God, he is unchangeable, he is immutable, and he's long-suffering. And of course, we have this in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, in Psalm chapter 86, verse 15, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and also verse 15 that God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all men come to repentance. How, how wonderful our God truly is. And then lastly, let me mention this. In verse 29, it says there, He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. This would speak to the fact that our God is faithful. He is a faithful God. He gives strength to those who have no strength, to the weak, and he helps those who are needy. This means that he is a trustworthy God. He is a dependable God. He can be counted upon. He can be trusted. And what a God for us as we think about this God. Lamentations 3, 23, great is thy faithfulness. 
2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, verse 9. Chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. That he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. All these verses speak to us of the faithfulness of our, of our God. I think it's eight times in the New Testament we read of the faithfulness of our God. And, and if you really want to experience of who God is, study his attributes. Learn of him. The greater your appreciation of who your God is, the greater your theology is, the greater your doxology will be. Meaning, the greater your understanding of who God is, the greater your worship will be of that God. And so may you be encouraged as you think about some of these attributes. I've only listed 15. There are so many more in Scripture. But uh, uh, I would suggest that you would study the Word of God and yet you would uh, get some Bible helps that would bring out the attributes of God and, of course, uh, A.W. Tozer's book, Knowledge of the Holy One, is an excellent place to begin. And uh, I would really encourage you to get that book and to read that book. It's one of those books that I read through every single year. I'll read through that book. And so may the Lord bless you. May you be anchored in your life today as you walk for the glory of God today.